Starman Manhunter Adventure Hour, presented by Head Speaks. This is an hour-long podcast where we'll talk about the Will Payton Starman comic and the Mark Shaw Manhunter comic from the late 80s, early 90s. We'll talk about every appearance of these two great characters. If you've never read them or haven't read them in a while, this may be a good time to explore these issues. Now, let's get started with our first comic. The following is an excerpt from the Who's Who podcast by the Irredeemable Shag and his cohort in crime, Rob Kelly. This is Shag, a.k.a. the Irredeemable Shag, speaking. For me, because, you know, she's a crazy hot, raging woman, and now I can't not see that. But if you want more on her, check out the From Crisis to Crisis podcast. And also, someone, for the love of God, start a Will Payton blog, please. Um, just saying. Well, since Shag demanded it, I am presenting it. Here is not only a Starman Will Payton blog, but a podcast. Listen on. Welcome to the Zero episode of the Starman Manhunter Adventure Hour, presented by Head Speaks. As I said in the intro, I am Aaron Moss, also known as Head, and I will be your host on this about an hour-long adventure. In this maxi-series podcast, I plan on covering the Will Payton Starman, and the Mark Shaw Manhunter series, both from DC Comics from the late 80s, early 90s. I am guessing this podcast should run about 50 episodes or so. Uh, Each episode should be about an hour long, hence the name, but as wants to happen, some might run a little short, some might run a little long. I plan to cover both their series in the entirety, plus any other guest appearances they may have appeared in. Um, this issue, I'm not going to cover any actual comics. I'm going to talk a little about the characters, their background, the history. Next episode, the first actual episode, we'll start with their first issues and carry on from there. So let's get started today. Today, the first thing I want to talk about is Starman, a.k.a. Will Payton. Will's series ran about 45 issues. Plus, he crossed over a couple of other comics here and there. And then, uh, after a series ended, he showed up in a couple of other places. I don't get any details till a couple years down the road when I get there, but we'll get there. His first appearance was in his first comic, Starman Number 1, from October of 1988. Will Payton Starman was created by Roger Stern and Tom Lyle. His powers, as we're going to find out, was flight, super strength, superhuman durability, limited shape-shifting, and energy projection. Now for a little of his prehistory, before Will Payton took over, 
There was several Starman before Will Payton. The original one was Ted Knight, who was known as the original Starman. Theodore Henry Knight is a 1940s DC comic superhero who wore a red costume with a finned helmet and a green cape and wielded what's called a gravity rod. Later was changed to a cosmic rod, which enabled him to fly and fire energy bolts. And he was a proud member of the Justice Society of America. Uh, for more information on Ted Knight and the Justice Society, check out Michael Bailey and Scott Gardner's Tales of the JSA. Uh, a great podcast. Then we move on to the second Starman, which was the Starman of 1951. Uh, he was a superhero who operated the DC Universe in, well, of course, 1951. In actuality, he was a retconned who appeared in Starman Volume 2, whose identity is revealed towards the end of that series as being the original Dr. Midnight, Charles McKnighter, and later a time-displaced David Knight, son of the original Starman, Ted Knight, after some training from McKnighter. This proved to be only a temporary reprieve for a deceased hero, however. In pre-crisis continuity, the only Starman of the 1950s was actually Batman, who briefly took up that mantle in Detective Comics 247, back in September of 1957, using variants of his usual equipment, but with a star motif instead of a bat, due to him having been hypnotized to be given a fear of bats in the belief that this would render him incapable of being a hero. But not good old Batman. Anyways, the next Starman was actually a villain. He appeared to menace Batman Robin, whose super strength waned in the presence of a Tibetan belt worn by Batwoman. Uh, then we come across our fourth character we called Starman, Michael Thomas, M-I-K-A-A-L Thomas. Uh, he was also known as Michael Thomas. He's a, again, another superhero introduced in the 1970s. Uh, this one was an alien who traveled to Earth to help conquer it, but instead turned against his warlike people in defense of the human race. He has blue skin and originally wore a Mr. Miracle-style flight disc on his feet that allowed him to fly, and a medallion containing a sonic crystal around his neck. The gem eventually became embedded in his chest and allows him to fire bolts of energy. He first appeared in First Issue Special number 12, in 1976. Within the story, Michael was given the name Starman, not as a means of carrying on Ted Knight's legacy, but rather in reference to the uh, song Starman by David Bowie, who, uh, pulling back the curtain a little bit, just passed away here a week or so ago. Uh, may you rest in peace, David Bowie. The song tells of a benevolent alien who arrives on Earth in order to save the planet from destruction. A situation which greatly parallels Michael's backstory. And then he'll show up later on in the next Starman series, which I'm not covering. Uh, then we pull on to number five, Prince Garin, who was a 1980s superhero created by Paul Levitz and Steve Ditko, who was the spoiled blonde playboy prince of an alien empire. He discovered he was a mutant who could survive unaided in space when, by ancient royal custom, he was thrown out of a spaceship airlock to prevent him from challenging his more mature sister's claim to the leadership of the Imperial planet Throne World. Garin was given jewel wristbands and a staff by the mysterious mystic Mentor, which allowed him to channel his cosmic powers into the ability to fly interstellar dis distances and shoot bolts, shoot bolts of energy. 
for a time keeping his true identity a secret as a mass protector of the realm, after the assassination of his sister, only one year into her reign, he became ruler of their people. He first appeared in Adventure Comics 467 back in January of 1980 and was believed to have died during the Crisis on Infinite Earths. His story is further elaborated upon over in Starman Annual 1, which I believe is part of the second series, again I'm not covering, which was a tie-in to the comics event Legends of the Dead Earths. But that'll do it for the prehistory on Starman. Uh, again, this was the first actual Starman series. The other ones appeared in other books. Uh, after this Starman, there was a second Starman series, which was, I believe, on David Knight, the original Starman's son. And again, we're going to cover that briefly just when Will Payton shows up in it. But that'll do it for Will Payton Starman. Uh, and again, all this information I've given you guys was pulled from Wikipedia. The same with the information we give you on Mark Shaw Manhunter. So, uh, there you go. That is the first five Starmen, I guess we'll call them. And then next month, if you join us here for the first issue of Starman, we'll find out a little bit about Will Payton. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and play some commercials, and we'll be right back to talk a little bit about Manhunter. After these messages, we'll be right back. excited for 2016. In fact, I think we should record a promo about all the changes to the Fire and Water Podcast Network happening this year. What do you think, Rob? That's a great idea. We can mention the new folks joining the network and all the shows. I can talk about how we'll continue with our Aquaman and Firestorm show, and I want to be sure to plug my movie show, The Film and Water Podcast. What about you, Ryan? Oh, I think we should definitely record a promo. I'll mention how the Secret Origins Podcast is joining the Fire and Water Network, and then I'll introduce my newly relaunched shows, Give Me Those Star Wars and Power of Fishnets, The Black Canary and Zatanna Podcast. Sound good to you, Chris? Absolutely. I'll mention the show I record with my lovely wife, Cindy, Supermates, the husband and wife geek cast. We should probably also mention the Power Records podcast Rob and I do, too. What about you, Siskoid? Well, sure. I can talk about my ensemble show, The Lonely Hearts Romance Comics Podcast, and my new upcoming shows about the DC Comics crossover event, Invasion, and yes, Oh Hot Moo. Shag, you think we should mention Hero Points, the most occasional DC Heroes role-playing podcast? Sure, why not? And I can talk about Who's Who, the definitive podcast of the DC Universe, and mention my new upcoming show, Justice League International, blah ha ha podcast. Now, Here's what I'm thinking. When we record, I'm fine being the first person talking. I can explain all the changes to the Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait. Why do you get to start the promo? I'm just as much of a part of this as you are. It was my idea to create the Fire and Water podcast back in 2011. I should start off this promo. I kind of think it should be one of the new voices who kick off the promo. It'll shock the listener into attention if it's not Rob or Shag. Cindy and I make up two people in the network. Plus, you know, ladies first. So we should be the first people talking on the promo. Ben voyons donc. You have what? got uh, what? to. Uh, what? 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 Uh,
Stop it. You're like boys with toys. Let's just make this simple. We can tell the folks at home, the Fire and Water Podcast Network is growing in 2016. Several new shows are joining the network. We'll have a new dedicated website, a Twitter account, and Facebook page. And folks will be able to subscribe to each individual show or all of them. See, now was that so hard? Fire and Water Podcast Network. Available soon through iTunes, Stitcher Radio, and fireandwaterpodcast.com. Seriously, Shag, you had to get the last word, didn't you? Aw, yeah. Aw, yeah. Uh, uh, uh. Feels good. Feels good. Hello, greetings, and hi there. This is the Head Speaks Podcast. Hey there, true believers. Welcome to the Task Force X Headcast. G.I. Joe, the real American Headcast, is the code name for Aaron's daring, highly trained Headcast. Hello there, my name is Aaron Moss, and this is the Starman Manhunter Adventure Hour. Hello, my name is Alexis Mox. This is my show called Alexis Beat. And all of these shows can be found on the Headcast Network. Look for it on iTunes and Stitcher Radio. Also on Facebook by looking for the Headcast Networks. All of the great headcasts that you love on one convenient feed. Look for it. The Headcast Network. See you there. And now we move on to The Manhunter, which is Mark Shaw. The Manhunter comic ran 24 issues. And then he showed up later in Suicide Squad, an issue of the second Manhunter series, and then about a dozen issues of the third series of Manhunter, just as Mark Shaw. I'm not going to cover the second and third series, except for the issues when Mark shows up. So let's move on to Mark's background. His first appearance was in first issue special number five. In fact, funny story about that. I almost bought this issue at one time back in the early 90s from a second-hand store. But since it said first issue on it, the owner had it priced up way more than it should have been. I tried to explain, well, not the name of the comic, but... He wasn't a comic guy, and he said he saw first issue, and this was back when comics were more of a thing. And people didn't know as much about him on the street, so he's like, no, it's his first issue, so it's worth much more. So I never did get that one. Uh, He was created by Jack Kirby, and the teams he's been on is the Suicide Squad. As you may have heard if you listen to my Task Force X podcast, uh, he's been in there the last couple issues. Noble Aliases, Privateer, again, over in Task Force X, you can hear more about that. And also he was known as Star Czar. Now let's move on to his prehistory, as I call it, before the series. And just a little note, the first three Manhunters I'm going to mention, their origins are detailed in The Secret Origins 22, which a buddy of mine, Ryan Daly, covered over in Secret Origins podcast, episode 22. Uh, Check it out if you're interested. The first guy calling himself Manhunter was Dan Richards. From Wikipedia, the original Manhunter's first appearance 
was in Quality Comics titled Police Comics No. 8, and his solo stories ended in issue 101. The Quality Comics characters were purchased by DC Comics when Quality went out of business in 1956. Dan Richard would eventually be featured in Young All-Stars and All-Star Squadron. His origin would be told in Secret Origins number 22, as I just mentioned. Donald Dan Richards attended the police academy with his girlfriend's brother, Jim, who was at the top of the class while Dan was at the very bottom. After Jim was framed for a crime he didn't commit, Dan took up the identity of Manhunter to track down the actual killer. He caught the perpetrator and cleared Jim's name. Afterwards, he continued to operate as Manhunter. His sidekick was a dog named Thor, who was later reckoned to be a robotic sentry operating under the auspices of the Manhunter cult. Dan's granddaughter, Maurice Cooper, became the third Harlequin after he convinced her to join the Manhunters. And all this talk about the Manhunters and about being robotic sentry for them. Over in my Task Force X podcast from uh, this month, actually, I cover briefly the Millennium crossover, and this is where this all takes place. So see that one for a little bit more information on that. I don't go into great detail, uh, just as it applies to the story. Uh, but that's the first Manhunter. The second Manhunter was called Paul Kirk. Uh, the first of DC's Manhunters was a non-costume independent investigator, Paul Kirk, who helped police solve crimes during the early 1940s. Though the series was titled Paul Kirk Manhunter. Kirk didn't use the Manhunter name as an alias. He appeared in Adventure Comics 58 through 72. Beginning of Adventure Comics 73, Joe Simon and Jack Kirby established a new Manhunter, Rick Nelson, a big game hunter term crime fighter. Though he is obviously a different character than the first DC Manhunter, the name Rick Nelson was quickly changed to Paul Kirk in Adventure Comics 74 by an unknown editor. The Simon Kirby team left the feature after number 80, which was in November of 1944, although Kirby wrote a few more strips. The Paul Kirk Manhunter appeared in Adventure Comics until number 92 in 1944, when wartime paper shortage caused DC to drop page counts and thus his strip. This version of the character reappeared as a reprint and backup stories of New Gods, Volume 1, a series also penciled by Kirby. Kirk decides to become a crime fighter when his friend, Empire City Police Inspector Donovan, who was murdered by the supervillain known as the Buzzard. He wore a superhero-like red costume with a blue mask. While he had no superpowers, he was an above-average athlete and possessed superior tracking skills. Although Dan Richards and Paul Kirk never met in Golden Age stories, because they were published by two different companies, they had been retconned in DC continuity as having met and arguing over who should get the Manhunter name. They resolved the dilemma by joining different teams. Dan Richards became a member of the Freedom Fighters, while Paul Kirk stayed as a member of the All-Star Squadron. Many years later, in 1973, the name of Manhunter and Paul Kirk were resurrected in a story by Archie Goodwin and Walt Simonson in Detective Comics 437. Simonson noted that, and this is a quote, He, Archie Goodwin, had this idea for doing a backup story for Detective Comics, which he was editing. He was going to do the lead Batman story, and they have an eight-page short story in the back. He thought he'd try to invent a character and do him in a way that contrasted with Batman. While Batman was dark and grim and very urban, this would be a guy in brighter colors, and the whole world would be his stage. 
Where Batman was more or less an empty hand combat, this guy would carry weaponry. Contrary to popular belief, although the name was chosen as an acknowledgement of the 1940s character, it was not the original intent of the creators for this to be the same character. This link was later established within the series to quickly provide backstory within the limited eight-page structure. Kirk carried and used primarily three weapons, a bolo masseur, a katar, and two shuriken throwing stars. These were carried by Kirk as part of his costume on the chest. Said Simonson of the costume design, I did a bunch of preliminary designs, and I think Archie thought my first costume was a little complex. But then I did a bunch of variations. They were simpler and not as good, so we didn't have the original design. The only difference was originally I'd given him nine throwing stars. Archie wanted to include martial arts in this trip, and I came across something that said nine was a mystical number in this, some of the martial art cultures. But somewhere along the way I realized that drawing nine throwing stars in every damn panel was going to be a big problem. So we fixed that. <laughs> uh, Paul Kirk had been killed by an elephant on the safari in the 1940s, but his body had been cryogenically preserved and eventually resurrected by the Council, a secret society dedicated to controlling the world. After his return from death, Kirk was given a healing factor devised by a geneticist member of the Council. It was later recon that the healing factor was due to nanobites injected into him, and he was trained extensively in the martial arts by Asanu Natab, he was also the genetic source for many clones, which the Council intended to use as a paramilitary arm with the original Paul Kirk as their leader. The Council underestimated Kirk's worlds, though, and when he was assigned to kill an Interpol officer, he instead attempted to warn him. Unfortunately, this was but a test. The man was actually a Council agent, and Kirk barely escaped from a group of clones waiting there should he not perform according to expectations. Realizing Kirk couldn't be their assassin, the Council ordered him terminated. Manhunter defeated the council, deliberately sacrificing his life to do so. Interpol agent Christine St. Clair and Natobi believed that all the clones were dead, but swore to kill any they found in the future. One such hunt is depicted in the 1990 trade paperback Manhunter, the special edition, in the original story Manhunter, the final chapter, where Kirk's compatriots are apparently chasing a somewhile still-living Kirk. Batman attempts to intervene, but they kill the manor before, ex- before explaining that he was merely one of Kirk's clones dressed in a copy of his final costume. The 70s Paul Kirk Manhunter stories appeared primarily as eight-page backups in Batman's detective comics, at the time going through an arc- incarnation as a hundred-page super spectacular, featuring mostly preprints of non-Batman stories. Only the last episode of the series did Manhunter move to the front of the book in a full-length team-up with Batman. These stories were all written by Goodwin and have all the breakout work for future fan favorite Art Simonson. Simonson later said that the distinctly dense layouts and breakdowns for many of the early Manhunter stories were done by Goodwin. Goodwin's work on Manhunter, in which he both updated an obscure Golden Age hero and the series' last episode took the daring approach of killing him off, one of the few comic book deaths that has actually taken and has not been reversed or reckoned away in the decades since it occurred, is very well regarded by both fans and other comic professionals, winning a number of Shazam awards. Goodwin himself has cited the series as one of the three best things I've done in comics. When the team is approached in the 1990s to create a one-off story, the aforementioned final chapter, with the Paul Kirk character, the project was terminated by the death of Goodwin while it was still in the preliminary development before the dialogue was written. However, Walt Simonson acted on his wife Louise's suggestion that the story be completed without dialogue as a silent story as to not minimize Goodwin's contribution to it.
And then we move on to our very own Manhunter, Mark Shaw. Mark Shaw was a public defender unhappy about how easily criminals manipulated the system and got off without punishment. Shaw's uncle Desmond introduced him into an ancient sect of crime fighters called the Manhunters. Shaw contacted the Grand Master, the sex leader, through a magical lion medallion. Shortly, he assumed the Manhunter name and costume from a previous Manhunter. The Manhunter sect was composed of androids created billions of years before the Guardians OA to police the galaxy. For millennium, they served the Guardians well. The Manhunters become obsessed with the act of hunting criminals. Their code, no man escapes the Manhunters, became more important to them than seeing justice done. Eventually, the androids rebelled against the Guardians, but were swiftly defeated by the creators. Those that survived went into hiding. These later, and a lot of this is detailed in the Millennium crossover that I referred to earlier. Uh, back to Mark Shaw. The later day Manhunters attempted to disgrace the Guardians with Mark Shaw at their side. They were opposed by the JLA, especially by League member Green Lantern. Shaw realized that he had been duped by the Manhunters and turned on them, killing the Grandmaster, who was revealed to be a robot. Mark Shaw quickly returned as a new hero called the Privateer, but it was soon revealed that he was also working as a villain called the Tsar, Tsar, in League with the Key. The Red Tornado discovered the deception, and Shaw went to prison. While in the midst of serving his sentence, Shaw was offered the chance to recompany the Suicide Squad on a mission as the Privateer, and was released when the mission was completed. And as I said previously, if you listen to my Task Force X podcast, I've just got done talking about this mission on my most recent two episodes or maybe it was the last episode, which was the Millennium Crossover. Uh, in the wake of the Millennium Crisis, he donned a new costume to distance himself from Manhunter Colt and had his own adventures. Shaw now hunted costume criminals for the bounty. He kept insisting that he was just operating for the money, but he kept finding himself doing it, the doing the right thing. Which is where we pick up at with Manhunter number one next month. But that's Mark Shaw the Manhunter, and also Will Peyton Starman. Uh, their little background, background of the other characters that's used those names. At this point, we're going to go ahead into our mailbag. I don't have a name for it yet, other than the mailbag. If you guys have any names you like, go ahead and send them to me. Uh, but let's start with Facebook likes. Again, this is a zero episode, but I've put this out here a little while back that I was going to do this. I set the page up. So let's go and go to Facebook likes. For Facebook, we have Carlos Francisco Gonzalez, Darren Appeal, DC in the 80s, a great Facebook group. Uh, my buddy Kyle Benning. Uh, check out his own podcast, King Size Comics, Giant Size Fun. And he also appears over my G.I. Joe, Real American Headcast uh, monthly. Check those out. There's also Mike Betza and Mike Hodges. And that's it for the mailbag for this episode. At least for our Facebook likes. A couple announcements. Uh, I have launched my own podcast network. The Headcast Network. Uh, it's on iTunes. And over on Facebook, you can go to facebook.com slash the Headcast Network with no spaces. It's T-H-E-H-E-A-D-C-A-S-T-N-E-T-W-O-R-K. On the Headcast Network, you can find all of our great shows. Uh, this one, let's start from the beginning. So the first Tuesday of the month, I release a podcast called G.I. Joe, A Real American Headcast which I do with uh, previously mentioned Kyle Benning and another buddy, Ryan Daly. And we've been joined more recently by Jeff Fishman. The second Tuesday of the month, 
is my original podcast, Head Speaks, which is where I talk about comics, movies, TV shows, anything geek-related. The third Tuesday of the month is when I have my Task Force X podcast, which I mentioned previously here. There I review the Suicide Squad and Checkmate comics from the late 80s, early 90s. Uh, Great fun if you love those comics. Check them out. And then the fourth Tuesday of the month, our very own The Starman Manhunter Adventure Hour. Uh, Definitely check those out if you're interested. Uh, And again, you can either check individual feeds or just sign up for the HitCast Network and you'll get them all in one feed. Also, I occasionally release a podcast for my daughter called Alexa Speaks. And that's where she talks about what is on her mind. Again, she's seven, so again, it's usually short podcasts and it's usually, you know... Oh, she is my daughter, so it's usually something comic-related or something that she's seen on, like, on the Disney Channel or something. So definitely check that one out also, just for some good, clean family fun. Uh, but I refer to the Facebook and the Headcast Network. I mentioned here not too long ago that I wanted to do the Headcast Network. And I've already gotten a lot of people that like the Headcast page. So let's go ahead and read off those Facebook likes. There's Aaron Bias, Ellen Middleton, Charlie... Yeah, Charlie again. Sorry. It's Charlie Niemeyer... Clinton Robinson, Corey Hodgden, Dan Dugill, Gene Hendricks, Gord Tolton, Grover L. Wench, Jared West, my buddy Jeff Fish that I mentioned earlier, Jim Beard, who actually I interviewed over on the uh, G.I. Joe podcast last month, I believe it was. Uh, check that out. He's a writer. Great guy. Uh, also, we have Jim Remold, Keith G. Baker, Kyle Benning, who I've mentioned previously, Lucas Garrett, M. Anthony Gerardo, who is uh, a.k.a. Mags. Uh, he's a buddy of mine for on Facebook. There's a Unite DC Project Facebook group that he's in charge of. Pretty good group. Check it out. Uh, a real-life buddy of mine, McMarrow Canna. Michael Bailey, uh, who is one of the uh, spiritual godfathers of the show, if you will. Uh, Michael Bailey has a couple different podcasts. He's got Views from the Long Box. And the one that I first caught interest was was um, From Crisis to Crisis, a Superman podcast. Uh, that's one of the first podcasts I listened to, and that's kind of what I, I... I don't know, I want to say base myself on because I don't want to insult him if this comes out badly. But anyways, Michael Bailey, good guy. Check out his podcasts. Uh, and there's Michael Wagner, uh, the beautiful Michelle Moss, Yes, he is my wife. Uh, Mike Gillis, Mike Hodges, Roger Preeb, Russell Bragg, who's got his own podcast. Russell does the DC Comics Presents show. Uh, pretty good show. Check it out. Ruth Sutherland, who, if I'm not mistaken, is associated with Trekker Talk. Another podcast you may want to check out. Uh, Ryan Daly, again, my buddy from over on the G.I. Joe, a real American headcast, who's also got a couple of his own podcasts. Uh, one of the ones I really like is the Secret Origins podcast, who I was on back on episode 14 of his show, and I'm due to show up again on episode 28, talking about Nightshade from over in the Suicide Squad. Uh, Samantha Rusk, Shag Matthews, the other spiritual godfather of the show, he's got a uh, Fire and Water podcast, and he's actually got a new Fire and Water podcast network with a bunch of different shows. Uh, Russ, uh, Shag is a big Firestorm fan. And that's his original podcast, the Fire and Water Podcast. Talks about Firestorm, and then his buddy talks about Aquaman. Uh, me being a big Firestorm fan, that's one of the first ones I found. And again, I've had him on a couple of my shows. 
maybe I'll get him on this one. He's a great guy. Check out his Fire and Water Podcast Network and all their great shows. Uh, then there's Stephen J. Rogers, Tim Knight, Tim Wallace, Van Z, William Passmore, who's a buddy of mine from work and I know in real life, and finally, Zeb Oswald. I want to thank all you guys that I've just mentioned for liking the page and bearing with us. And I hope you guys enjoy what I'm doing here. And I want to thank you guys that are listening to this. I hope you guys enjoy this. I know this first episode was mainly, you know, was all background on the characters. Next month, uh, we will get into the meat and bones of the series and get into the first issue of each book. Uh, but at this point, that's going to do it for this episode of The Starman Manhunter Adventure Hour, presented by Head Speaks. Uh, so come back next week when we have an episode of G.I. Joe, a Real American Headcast, where we talk about issue six of the comic, and we're talking about issue, episode four of the TV series. Uh, the week after that, we have Head Speaks. Not quite sure what I'm doing on that one yet, but it'll be something. Uh, the following week will be Task Force X, episode... I'm not sure what episode it's on. I think it's 19. We're all to be talking about issue 10 of the book, and also be checking about checking about we'll be talking about checkmate number two uh, so check that out and then be back here finally in one month that's four weeks when we're talking about starman number one and manhunter number one uh, send in your letters send in your thoughts comments suggestions i'm always willing to make changes if you guys have a better suggestion if you guys have an idea for the mailbag Go ahead and send that to me. I'm open to suggestions on that. Um, and pretty easy to get along with. Let me know your thoughts. I'm curious. Uh, think I'm doing something you didn't care for? Let me know. Think I'm doing something right? Let me know. Uh, again, you may be asking yourself, well, how do I let you know? Well, you can go to our blog, which is at starman-manhunter.headspeaks.com. It's starman-manhunter.head. S-P-E-A-K-S dot C-O-M. And again, you go to headspeaks.com just by itself for all of my podcasts. Uh, you can also send us an email to starmanmanhunter at headspeaks.com or simpler, you can send it to S-M-A-H at headspeaks.com. Uh, let us know what you think. And again, check out our show either by the feed by itself, or if you want to check out all of our great podcasts, check out the Head Speaks Network. Uh, but that'll do it for this time. Again, I don't have, quite have a catchy closing tag yet, so I'm just going to say thanks for listening and goodbye. And uh, I'm noticing this is only a little over half an hour long. I know it's not quite the adventure hour, but hour-ish. <laughs> all right, thanks, guys. Have a good day. Thank you for listening to another great episode of the Starman Manhunter Adventure Hour. Please join us next month for another great, fantastic episode as we cover another issue of the Will Payton Starman series and the Mark Shaw Manhunter series. 
Uh, keep in mind that these podcasts are not affiliated or endorsed by DC Comics. I'm just a fanboy who loves these comics and wants to spread these love with everyone else out there and just talk about them. Um, again, you can email us at smah at headspeaks.com or you can go to our blog, which is at starman manhunter.headspeaks.com. You can also go to the Facebook page at facebook.com slash Starman Manhunter Adventure Hour. No spaces, all one word. But once again, thank you very much for joining us. Until next episode, this is Aaron Moss saying, see you in the funny pages.